Kennedy and Tyler told me they were going to be in this weekend, and every opportunity I get to use them, I, I will use the living daylights out of them because um, they, they're gone so much. Uh, hey, I want to welcome our Facebook audience, those that are watching, whether you regularly attend WBC, Watts Bar Church, or if you're tuning in, man, we had someone from India, I think, uh, last week tune in. We've got people from all over the country that are tuning in. So I want to welcome you, and I want to give you a chance to take, to get something out, to take some notes. Uh, Dee Pinkard called me this morning, as he does every Sunday, just to pray over me before I uh, uh, begin to, to preach and start the service. And, and he, he said, man, he said, he, he said, pray, he prayed this, he said, Father, let people, don't, don't let them get distracted sitting at home. And he told me later, he said, I thought about that because last week I was sitting there and I got up to go get me something to drink. I got up to do this. And he said, God spoke to me and said, Dee, would you do this if you were sitting in church? And uh, he said, so I'm like, man, I've got to be captivated. I've got to pay attention and, and look at what's going on. So I want to give you a chance to take notes because I do believe today is an on-time word. Um, we've been getting emails and messages, texts. Uh, about when when are we going to be opening back up? When when can we come back, Pastor Kelly? Uh, and text telling Denise and myself how much they miss worshiping us, and more of the text talking about missing Denise more, worshiping us, <laughs> worshiping with us, <laughs> worshiping with us. Uh, more of the texts have been about missing Denise more than myself, but that's all right. Uh, I read a post, though, uh, at the start of the week, um, and, and I read it, and I even uh, mentioned it to our staff during our Zoom meeting this week, and it's one of the things I read it, and I thought, man, that is right on, and I, I won't tell where the post came from. They're local, because I didn't get the permission, but it was posted, so I am going to read it, and I thought, man, I, I get what they're saying. Here's basically what the post said. If a small business owner is comfortable with working their establishment and customers are comfortable with purchasing their product, services, then that's okay. If an owner or customer isn't comfortable, guess what? That's okay too. Stay home until you're comfortable. This is basically a time to do what is best for your family. Some people, and this is what really hit me, some people, myself included, cannot stay home and not have contact with my community. It is just as unsafe for my mental health to stay quarantined at home as it would be for me to physically get ill. Someone understand that, I do, and I'm thankful for you that you can't relate. Same for church services. I miss my church family so much. I need that fellowship to help me in my growth and my relationships. Some are not comfortable with attending services, yet so keep online services available. Absolutely. Financially, spiritually, mentally, and physically, we all have different needs for our lives. What works for me may not work for you and vice versa, they say. But I do know if we don't get these small businesses open soon, They'll never recover. Some families may not either. In your spare time, check out the domestic violence and suicide rates since lockdown went into effect. Let's try not to judge each other so harshly. And I'll add, because their opinion is different from ours. We're all fighting different battles. Let's just be kind. And with that being said, I want to highlight three 
local bit, three businesses of people in our church. Uh, Ricky's Home Depot in Farragut. If you're in that area or if you just need dog food or something, drive up there to support them. Small businesses are dying while big businesses are thriving. We've got here Spring City Diner and Nick's Lakeside Grill in Spring City. Both of them are open for takeouts. Get, I'm telling you, let's support our people. And as for what the rest of this said, post said, uh, let's be honest. This isolation, quarantine, is probably, probably, for me at least, more harmful than contracting the disease itself. Keeping me isolated, because let me be honest, I need this community. I need my Watts Bar Church family. This is not just a job. This is not just a gig for Denise and myself. You are our family. You are the people we love being around, spending time, for, time with. And I need my Watts Bar family. Uh, and I, we've heard the cry of many others saying the same thing. So we're going to start creating opportunities. I believe Pastor Ben and, Amen, and Amanda, Amanda uh, spoke about it this week. We're going to open up opportunities because people have been saying, Pastor, we've got all this time, and, and we know there's things that need to be done inside and outside the church. Can we come and do that? And, and we have been uh, kind of, no, let's, but, but we're going to open up Tuesday and Thursdays. But in order to, to, to keep the social distancing thing in effect, we are going to ask that you message us on Facebook, private messages, so that we can set up times. We've got indoor work and outdoor, painting, plumbing, carpentry, uh, landscaping. You want to be a part, you can do that. The next thing, this coming Friday or Saturday, depending on the weather, the plan is Friday, but if it gets rained out, and I, I told him I was thinking, man, I don't usually like to do things on Saturday night, though, but then I thought, what else have I got to do? So... So we're going to do drive-in movie night, uh, and there will be restrictions. Uh, we'll, we'll let everybody know on that. And, and there be, there be people say, PK, when are we going to get back? Um, my hope, my hope is that the facilities, this place will be back open for business within the next couple of weeks. Um, there will be guidelines in place. Uh, you may come in here and an usher may greet you with a face mask or gloves on. But I'll tell you, I would rather have that as no community at all. I need my community. All right. Are you ready to jump into today's message? If you are and you're watching at home, look at the person sitting beside you and say, Really? Is that what you're wearing to church? Come on now. Uh, last week we celebrated Easter. And I opened up telling the story about this, uh, this Sunday school teacher uh, that had these four- and five-year-old kids. And, and she asked the question, hey, what do you think the first words were Jesus said when he rose up from the tomb, uh, rose up from the dead and come out of the tomb? And little Johnny's over there, got his hand raised, wanting, wanting to give an answer. Finally, the teacher's out of options. So she finally says, okay, Johnny, what do you think was the first thing Jesus said when he rose from the dead and came out of the tomb? And Johnny said, ta-da! Here's what I've learned. I repeat it to say this. I learned a long time ago not to assume anything. Even though Watts Bar Church is in the south, even though we are in the middle of the, the, we're in the buckle of the Bible belt, I quit assuming a long time ago 
that people here knew who Jesus really was. I quit assuming that people knew what salvation was or even what people knew people thought Easter was really about. Here in the buckle of the Bible belt, we can easily turn Easter into just another ta-da moment for Jesus. But the death and resurrection of Jesus is much more than just a ta-da moment. It is a pinnacle event in all of human history. Because here's the thing, because Jesus rose from the dead, we now have something bigger than ourselves to live for. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we now have, remember I said last week, the logos. We have the purpose, the reason, the meaning for life. Now, but tell you, my, my wife, and a lot of you husbands may be, your wives may be the same as some of you husbands. She loves to watch fixer-up shows with houses. Uh, she, she loves to watch these shows. She loves shows talk, taking an outdated, dilapidated, uh, unlivable thing and turning them into someone's dream home. But, but there was one show that captured her attention several years ago, and I think she went into mourning when they went off air, and they have actually visited, her and my daughter, uh, daughters actually visited the facility in Texas, and it was uh, a, a couple. And I think she loved the couple more than she loved the show. Anybody know what show I'm talking about? Fixer Upper Fix with... Chip and Joanna Gaines. Uh, the premise behind the show, if you don't know it, is they take these outdated homes, homes that other people had pretty much given up on, homes that people much were said were unlivable, and, and they would go in and get this vision. And, and they, see, I, 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 I like the show. I wasn't as much in love with it as my, de, as my wife Denise was. was. But... I love Chip because his humor reminds me of my humor. He can laugh at his own jokes, which is what I do most of the time when I preach, and laugh at my own jokes. But I, he would get this, man, him and Joanna, they would get this vision, and they would be able to see something in that house nobody else could see, even the owners. And what separated this show from the other shows were the other shows they would take, fix the house up to flip it. Or to sell it, make money off of it. Not chip and join the games. They would do it to a house with purpose for a family that was going to move into that house. They, they had a purpose behind it. They, to make it a permanent home for this family. And as in life, when you watch a show, most of the time, almost all the time, uh, they would run into a problem that they didn't expect. Uh, they might go a little over budget. Uh, they might run into to, to something that, that they say, oh, this is going to cost us more than what we had anticipated. This is going to require more work than what we thought. And, and now, the show aired 79 episodes. I'll tell you this. Out of the 79 episodes that me and Denise watched, not one time did I ever see them say, hmm, this is going to require too much work. Let's just throw in the towel. Not one time do they say, man, this is going to cost more than what we thought. Let's just walk away from, from the project. Is, uh, not one time. 
But every time, they would say, we can make this work. I, I said all that to say this. The name of, the de- of today's message is what now? Why is Easter so important? I mean, what now, now that after Easter? Here's why Easter is so important. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is showing us a God that can redeem our past, transform our identity, and create something and restore hope to us. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, it's showing that this it, the story center around, centers around one main character only, Jesus. And, and, and it's hard to think about the redemption story and, and when you think about the fixer-upper. It's hard not to think God is the ultimate fixer-upper. Why? Anybody else ever felt like you had made a mistake that you couldn't fix? Come on. Anybody ever felt like you, you, you created a mess that couldn't be cleaned up? Or that your life had been destroyed by an addiction that you couldn't break free from and fix the relationships? Come on. Anybody ever been a victim of somebody else's actions and you felt your life would never be the same? Anybody ever felt like or feel like your life is so jacked up, so broken, so messed up, it's beyond being fixed up? Come on. You need to know you're not alone. I've been there more than once. But do you know what the heart of God is for you and what the heart of God is for me? It's more than that's just to accept the fact that we're broken. In fact, the prophet Isaiah describes perfectly God's heart for us and the ministry of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to start with verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the what? Broken hearted. Stop there. That, that word uh, broken hearted. Uh, is, is the Greek word is shavair. And here's what it means. It literally means broken into pieces. Torn. Get this. It means crushed violently. Anybody ever felt like that? You've been crushed violently. Your heart is broken into pieces. Jesus said, I came to fix that, to bind up what was crushed violently, to bind up the broken hearted, to put the pieces back together. And he goes on and says, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. Well, what's getting referenced here? Um, it is his essence. Jesus said, the prisoners of war. I, I came to, to, to proclaim freedom for prisoners of war. Those that have found themselves trapped by, some, by sin, by an addiction, by depression, by racism, by hatred. Those in bondage to those things. He said, I came to proclaim freedom from those things. You're free. He said to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance uh, of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Get this. He says to bestow. I'm I'm getting behind on my. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. I says for those who grieve in Zion. What, what he's doing here, when he talks about a crown of beauty instead of ashes and all that, he's referencing a funeral, a funeral march, because that's where a lot of people live. 
It's where a lot of people hang out. It's what the, the people of Isaiah that he was writing to felt like. They were saying, we're grieving. We've lost all hope. We've lost all meaning. What were they grieving? They were grieving the loss of purpose, the loss of identity, the loss of dignity, the loss of meaning. I mean, Isaiah wants them to know that because of Jesus, there's somebody coming, that because of him, thing, everything is about to change. In fact, he says, instead of living like you're going to funeral, God's going to prepare you for a party to bestow on them a crown of beauty, all of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild, get this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Does anybody else see how that might be relevant for us now? Restore the places that have been devastated. Anybody see how that's relevant? Not, not just because of COVID-19, but the tornadoes that swept through and affected our communities last week. Restore the places long devastated. Renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of Meigs County, Ray County, McMahon County, for generations have been devastated by drug addiction, by pills, by alcohol, by porn addiction. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready for God to restore something here. It's relevant. I, I want you to watch up our church. Let's read that again, that, that verse 4. And where it says, where it says, uh, they put we. We will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. We will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Not somebody else. I, it's easy for us to walk by. Somebody should do something about that. Yes, yeah, somebody should. You. You. People come up to me, Pastor, Pastor, uh, God has really laid so-and-so on my heart uh, to pray for them about salvation. Would you reach out to them? No. He laid them on your heart. How about you reaching out to them? How about you doing something? He didn't lay them on my heart. He laid them on yours. So, so you reach out to them. We will. God, let me tell you, God didn't save you to sit on a pew. And right now, God didn't save you just to sit on a couch. Come on. There are four statements I want to give you today that I believe can sum up all of us, every one of us. When you say, not what now, what now? I, I don't care where you come from, what your background is, what your ethnicity is, or what your upbringing was, whether you're watching from down the road or across the country. The, these things are true about all of us. And the first one, if you're taking notes at home, which I trust you are, is this. We were all created for good we were all we were created for good the bible opens up like this let's go back to genesis bible opens like this in the beginning i think i missed some scripture in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. You're talking about the ultimate fixer-upper. The world was void. It said the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You know what that says to me? That Holy Spirit has been present and active the entire time. Do you know what it says to me today? Holy Spirit is active and present this whole time right now. And God went on to work. I mean, when you read all of it, God goes on and he is like a master artist. I mean, day one, Genesis 1, 3, it says, God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. Day two, uh, it says, God said, let there be space between the waters. God thought to himself, hmm, I'll call I created the sky. I call it the sky. Day three, God formed dry land, and then he scooped out these big holes for the oceans. Uh, on day four, God created the sun, moon, and the stars. On day five, God created sea life. He created birds of every kind, and, and God blessed them, said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, he told the fish and the birds, get your groove on. Come on, that was all day five. That was day five. Day six, God created all kinds of animals except cats. <laughs> Little humor. So, uh, God, God created all kinds of animals. Then in verse 26, look what God says about everything he created. Then God looked over and he said, it was very good. Very good. Do you know what he included in being very good? Verse 26 says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. He created us for good. For good. Think about this. God does every bit of this by simply speaking it. Speaking it. God speaks, and it happens. God, God speaks. It, it's, here's what I'm trying to say. It's God, God's word that brings order out of disorder. It's God's word that brings light into darkness. It's God's word, God's word that brings uh, beauty out of chaos. It's God's word that brings fullness into empty places. And it's God's word that makes gardens from grace. God speaks it into existence. And after six days, God looks at it and says, it was good. See, when God placed the very first man and woman into the garden, he had huge plans for them. He pretty much said to them, I want you to join me in this work. Here's your assignment. Love me. Love each, each other and take care of the world I've given you. God's creation began with perfection. We were created for good. There was no disease. There was no hatred. There was no viruses. There was no racism. There was no death. There was no distance between man and God. We were created for good. And the second thing that pertains to all of us, we were all wrecked by the fall. Every one of us. If you, if you don't know what I'm referencing when I say the fall, Genesis 3 describes what theologians refer to as the fall. It's when God gives Adam and Eve the simple command. Hey, you can eat freely from every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you, do you know, um, I didn't realize how, how 
how social I was until I was told I could not be social? Come on, anybody else? I didn't know. It's like I don't know I like something until I'm told I can't like it. You know. And, and, and so people have asked for years, why a tree? Why a tree, Kelly? Or, or they've asked the hello. They don't ask me that for years. But hey, hey, why don't God say, hey, why don't you sit and say, hey, guys, here, don't steal. Don't kill. Give them a moral absolute. That makes more sense. Here's why a lot of scholars believe that God said a tree. They believe that God was saying to them, I want you to obey me. Get this. Not because it makes sense to you. Not because it's useful to you. Not because you get something out of it. I want you to obey me because I am God and you are not. Hmm. And theologians say that, that God was doing what saying this. If you can learn to obey me from the outset, you will then be able to live in peace for the rest of your life. But Adam and Eve blew it. And don't get on your high horse and say, oh, because if it wasn't them, it would have been one of us. You know, the snake came, tempted the woman. The woman uh, gave in, tempted the man. But let's be honest, don't get too hard on Adam. All Adam saw was a naked woman holding something in front of him. And she said, take it. He said, okay. Uh, so, so, come on, that's funny. Um, but, but they believe, they end up believing the lie of the serpent. They disobeyed God. Sin enters a perfect world that God created for them. And the moment they sinned, the moment they disobeyed God's sin, the perfect peace they had been living in, they're not there anymore. It's wrecked. It's wrecked. See, here the thing is, COVID-19 is real. Yes, it is taking several lives. Yes, it has infected a lot of people, but it holds no like to the disease that was brought into the world that day that everyone is born with, sin, sin. And that day, sin entered the world. In his book, The Reason for God, Tim Keller describes sin like this. He says, sin is the despairing refusal to find your deepest identity in, in your relationship and service to God. Sin is seeking to become oneself to get an identity apart from God. See, truth, most of us, when we think of sin, we think of it primarily as doing something wrong, losing our cool, yeah, yes, and just so breaking some rules. It includes those things. But the very first of the Ten Commandments that God gives is this one. You shall have no other gods before you. The, prime, the primary thing of defining sin is not just in in terms of doing something, it's when we make good things into the ultimate things. Are you hearing me? Things that are not necessarily evil, but we make those things the primary things. Tim Keller goes on to say this. He said, sin, sin is seeking to establish a sense of self by making something else more central to your significance, your purpose, and happiness than your relationship with God. 
When we sin, here's basically what we're doing. When we sin, when we give in to sin, we're saying in that moment that greed, lust, gluttony, pornography, you name it, it satisfies me more than Jesus does. That's what we're saying in that moment. In that moment, we're saying, I find my purpose, my identity, my significance in my job, in an affair, in a hobby, in a drug, in some other person, instead of finding my significance, my purpose, and identity in God. That's what we're doing when we sin, when we give into it. Let's be honest. The truth about you and the truth about me is this. Left to ourselves... We always find more delight in cheap substitutes. Come on. One, one Bible writer said it like this. He said, we willingly exchange the glory of the immortal God for shoddy ripoffs that can't possibly provide meaning and significance. Wow. Not, not, not me, PK. Well, according to Romans 3.23, all of sin. I'll fall short of the glory of God. Let's go to Genesis 3.8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. It's after they sinned, after they disobeyed God. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, sin always has an effect on us. Always. Seen or not seen. Some of the immediate byproducts of Adam and Eve's sin, shame. I mean, they've been naked this whole time, walking, talking with God. Suddenly, shame entered the picture. Guilt, a lot of baggage, insecurity, fear. And the thing is, we're still carrying a lot of that baggage with us today. Shame, fear, guilt, blame. We're all, we were all wrecked by the fall. The third truth about us all is this. We are all desperate for hope and long for healing. Every one of us, whether you admit it or not, we're desperate for hope. Right now, people are desperate for hope. Small business owners are desperate for hope. People out of work are desperate for hope. And we're longing, longing for healing. You, you can tell me that I'm wrong, but I know, I know deep down in every one of us, we, we're desperate for it. Here's the way Paul described our situation, Romans 8, 22 and 23. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Get this. For we long... For our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. In other words, we're desperate. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. The message says these barren bodies of ours, of ours are yearning for full deliverance. Come on now. Anybody else feel that groaning? That desperation for God to make things right. That longing for God to make something beautiful out of, out, out of what you've broken and messed up in your life. Anybody else feel that, that, that desire, that longing for God to do something in you that you have not been able to do for years? 
For, for God to be the ultimate fixer-upper when it comes to the mess you've made? We're all desperate. We're desperate for healing, desperate for freedom of sin, desperate for shame and the brokenness and the loneliness to be stripped from us. That thing gnaws at our spirit. Something inside us, all, all of us know that whether you admit it or not, we need a Savior. We need, and we try to fill it with anything and everything else. But deep down, we know we need something more, someone with power that can make something out of this mess we call life. The fourth thing that is true about all of us, we all need rescuing by God. Every one of us. Every one of us. If we could have saved ourselves, we would have done it a long time ago. If we could have set ourselves free, we would have done it a long time ago. If we could have fixed the mess that we've created, we would have already done it. If we could set ourselves free from sin, addiction, loneliness, depression, we, we would have already done it. But the truth is, we all need to be rescued by God. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 shows perfectly God's rescue plan in action. Check this out. When you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive. God came to your rescue with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled the dead, I love that, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. Come on. He canceled the dead which listed all the rules. All. all. You know what all means in Greek? All. All the rules we failed to follow. He took away the record with its rules and nailed it to a cross. I love that. Nailed it to a cross. God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority with the cross. He won the victory and showed the world they were powerless. Come on. Let me give you a picture also of what God is describing here. What the writer here is describing. In the first century, when a Roman general would triumph over an opposing army, uh, what that general would do, he would be allowed to lead a parade through the streets uh, of Rome. And it would be this huge celebration. When the general rode into town, they would, they would place these laurel crowns on his head. And it was called, also called the victor's crown. And the citizens of Rome would then offer up shouts of praise to this general. As the parade continued, behind the general were all the spoils of war from every city, every place he conquered. They were getting, coming behind him. And get this, the parade would also have the disarmed and defeated generals on display for all to see. They were considered tributes and trophies of the conquering general. The picture that Paul is, is painting here is this. At the crucifixion, at the resurrection of Jesus, in a way we would probably never understand, God took all the powers that had put themselves up uh, from the fall. God took the power of sin, death, hell, the grave, shame, evil, and he completely disarmed it, and he completely stripped them of their power over us. That's what he did. Listen, the invitation of the gospel is to experience the victory of Jesus. It's not just to experience a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's an invitation to allow the God, for God who created you, to create a masterpiece of the mess you made. I love the way Mark Batterson describes it. He says this, God doesn't just resurrect dead bodies. 
He also resurrects dead dreams, dead relationships, and dead opportunities. That's the God we serve. Isaiah prophesied that the ministry of Jesus would change everything about our lives. Let's go back to Isaiah 61. We're going to close. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. If you're spiritually bankrupt, spiritually poor, maybe you don't even know what you believe, there's good news for you. Come on. You don't have to say that way. He says, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? You feel like pieces of your life are scattered everywhere. Jesus came to pick up the pieces and to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness from the prisoners. Maybe you feel like a prisoner of war and bondage to something or even someone. Jesus said, I proclaim freedom. Verse 2, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Listen, this year may have started off rough for you. This year may not have started off like you planned. But good news. He came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's never been a time, guys, when God has looked at a life and thrown in the towel because he said, ah, too much work involved. There's never been a time when he's walked away and he said, no, just this, 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 this project is just too jacked up. Nothing I can do with it. Never been a time. Not one time has God ever walked up to a person and says, oh, it's going to require more work than I ever imagined. Someone else. First song we sang described there's nothing that our God can't do. There's nothing. You may feel like your marriage, your world is one big funeral procession. But God says to those mourning, to those grieving, I'm about to turn that funeral procession into a party. Why? Because I am the God who can make beauty from ashes. I am the God who can turn a sea into a highway. I am the God who can turn mourning into dancing. I am the God who can turn shame into glory, who can turn bones into an army, and who can turn graves into gardens. I am that God. God. That's the hope of the gospel. That's what's good about Good Friday, and that's why Easter is so important. You say, what now? That's up to you. How do you want to play this? What now? It's up to you. You continue walking like you've been walking, living like you've been living. Or you can admit you need rescue by God. You can continue, and I'm talking to Christian now, to live in your pity party world. Oh me, oh miserable me. 
Or you can realize the fact that when you became a child of God, your father has everything you need. But you serve a God that turns beauty to ashes. Can I borrow this, Bob? Turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. Some of you out there, man, you're you're like, how could God possibly make anything out of this? He specializes in taking run down broken down dilapidated things and making a masterpiece out of them what are you waiting for what now that's up to you you don't have to stay where you're at you don't have to live like you're living follower of Jesus you don't have to stay in this state of oh poor pitiful me how you respond when you're going through this will remember, be remembered about you. You can start speaking life and joy instead of negativity. You start speaking peace. You start speaking this. Can I get in a team to come up here and help me? Not you, Ben. Not you, Ben. I thought Ben was about to come up here and sing. 